So how good are you at waiting for things? <laughs> Don't you love it? You know, waiting can be a little bit of a crummy thing. You know, some of us have a predisposition to stillness or being non-anxious. Others of us, well, let's just say we can get a bit wound up. Uh, James in chapter 5, he takes a few moments to talk about a couple of things we could call Christian virtues, but I think maybe a better way for us to talk about it is it's a way for, for us, for Christians to find an alternative way to move through our world. And this morning, we're going to take a look at a passage that uh, James talks about, talks about waiting, talks about patience. He also talks about what does it mean to have a, a uniquely Christian approach to suffering. In some ways, this sounds simple. In other ways, it sounds really complex. But I think that the simplicity of it is we actually realize that there's that distinctive, that different way, the way that we approach these things in the world that James has been talking about throughout this whole book. Uh, it's the way he's been advocating for this different world that Christians live while we are also here in this current one. So open your Bibles this morning, James chapter 5. We will read verses 7 through 11 together today. So dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. And you too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure suffering. For instance, if you know about Job, a man of great endurance, you can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we're at the end of James's letter. Uh, in the last chapter, James is coming around you know, that last bend. You can see the finish line. It's there. And in, in a lot of the ways that we like to end things, James kind of goes back to the very beginning of his letter and, and, and fleshes out just a handful of things that he knows are extremely important. I'm going to go back to chapter 1, the first verse and passages that we read you know, several weeks back when we started this series when he said, Dear brothers and sisters... When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? James coming back to some of these same things. Back to this endurance piece. Remember, we've talked about endurance a lot, but endurance is our capacity to hold up in stressful situations to prove who we are, but also more so to prove who we have been turned into. James refers back to Job from the Old Testament as an explanation of endurance under extreme situations. We've talked all throughout these last few weeks how James speaks about trials and temptations, about how we should see these as, as pressures that we feel in life. You know, a, a trial, a, a troubles, that these are external pressures that we deal with, you know, disappointing situations, bad news, people who act out against us, challenges that come upon us, you know, illnesses that we did not ask for, and we now have to cope with either as individuals or with loved ones. These are external pressures. 
that we might choose to react to in ways that don't signify the character or the desires of God. We've also talked about temptations, about internal pressures, the coping mechanisms that we might have in life or our reactions sometimes to those external pressures or situations. The ways that we might end up using our words to destroy people and things, to become judgmental and to live in the space of judging. We talked about that last week. The internal pressure. And this matters because life is tough. Life can also sometimes be disappointing. But what James has been doing for us is painting a picture of a different option, of, of a different life, a life that sometimes takes a bit of time. You've heard the phrase, you know, an overnight success. You ever heard of that before? Maybe use that. What most times most people don't realize is that night was really, really, really long. That there were things that had to be learned in that long night. There were uh, multiple parts of life that might have had to be developed in that part of life. There were natural talent or skills or capacities that had to be energized. There were the right things that had to happen in the right sequence. You know, overnight successes are rarely actually overnight. Good things take time. And as much as we want life to be easy, sometimes it isn't easy and good things take serious time. They take patience and patience matters. Patience is a skill that we cultivate. And as Christians, we see patience in a very different way. And so while we jump into this different world that James is painting for us, let's get a, a little bit of a basic understanding of three things that James talked about before we can get into this idea of suffering. Uh, two of them are new, and one of them is an old friend. So the first one that's new is the idea of patience. Patience is this key thing, but patience is also a key feature in the early church. Those first Christians, the ones that, whom James was a leader of, they had developed a habit of patience that allowed them to stay strong for them Patience wasn't just about waiting to get that thing that you know is going to come to you. When I was a kid, I wanted a copy of Super Mario Brothers 3 really, really bad. Really bad. And I knew my parents did not have the money to buy a copy of Super Mario Brothers 3 for me. But I had an uncle who did not have children and who also had a good job. <laughs> and I was old enough to know how the way the world, the world worked. And I remember my Christmas presents came in and my Christmas present from Uncle Ken came in and it was wrapped and it was about the size of a Nintendo Entertainment System cartridge. And I remember looking and I shook it and I was like, okay, it's, not, it's, it's rattling like what I think it's gonna rattle. Then I kind of peeked under a corner just to get the color of the box. And I was like, okay, I know it. It's like the first week of December. It's all December long, I'm waiting for Christmas morning so I can open it. That's not patience, friends. The early Christians, they exercised patience because it was the only power that they had. This is a group of people who had no freedom, who had no choice. Patience was the way that they consciously stepped out of a world that was foreign to Jesus. Patience was how they stepped into the kingdom of God. In this way, this is going to sound different, but let me explain it. In this way, patience is like this weird sort of time travel. 
Because patience is the acceptance of a future that's not yet seen. The book of Hebrews uh, chapter 11 talks about this, uh, this inside of the language of faith when it says this, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us the assurance about things we cannot see. To be patient is to live with in sight of the far-off future of what God has promised to us. One writer talks about patience as the triumphant steadfastness, not of our own strength, but for a certainty of the closeness of the Holy Spirit. We cannot manufacture patience, friends, but we can ask God for patience. The next thing that James talks about is suffering. And we're going to come back to this in a little bit later on. But one writer, he approached this idea of Christian suffering as the spiritual burden of hardship. I like that, the spiritual burden of hardship. That draws a line around this really difficult concept in a certain way, in a, in a Christian way. The spiritual burden of hardship. And, and we're going to come back to this actually next week, and two weeks even more as we think through this. But as Christians, suffering always happens inside of a conversation about patience but also with a focus on the Holy Spirit. Third thing, and this is where the old friend comes in, endurance, comes back from chapter 1. And to gain an understanding of what James was talking of, we have to look at how some of the, the, the other writers in this point in time would talk about this. Because uh, so much of what we understand in the New Testament comes back to how you know, writers and thinkers like Plato and Aristotle, these classical Greek writers, would talk about something because to them, endurance simply meant to wait out evil. The best way to think through this is the idea of how we wait out a politician we don't like. It's like we know in two years or four years or six years, there'll be another vote. Just waiting out what we don't like. That's how these, these secular writers and thinkers talked about endurance. But what James does is he comes in and he expands this even more that endurance means you have such a strong belief and trust in something that you can maintain that trust and that faithfulness while you are faced with opposition. Endurance means you don't break. It's not just a passive waiting because you know the thing's going to take care of itself through the passage of time. It's saying no. The passage of time I am ultimately waiting for is far off. It's in the promised future, in the promised eternity with Jesus Christ. But you know what? I can trust that so much, I'm all right waiting. I can handle this wait. To endure in Scripture means to say, yes, it should not be this way. And I am aware of how I am tempted to respond negatively to this. And through the power of the Spirit, I'm not. That's what endurance is. So this is this world that James is bringing us into to think about patience and to think about suffering. But he's also inviting us into this kingdom vision of life, of a Christian community here, those of us in this room together, that, that it is together, but also through our own individual experience, our own individual support of one another. How do we create a community of flourishing? that patiently waits together. 
That's the big question James is inviting us to think about. A couple of caveats before we talk about specifically about patience and suffering is this. Um, a couple of things James does not say. Remember all this whole book we've learned to look into the character of God to understand these things. A couple of things James does not say. James never says God causes bad things to happen. James never says that. James also never says that our suffering is a result of spiritual sin. That judgment and suffering are not in the same conversation. I say this because we have a lot of folk theology or cross-stitch theology or maybe Pinterest theology, depending on how old you are, where there's some, some, some sayings that sound kind of like what God might think but are not in Scripture. Because suffering and judgment are two separate conversations. We know from what James talks about over and over and over again, we serve a good God who loves us and loves to give us good things. That's the character of God that we have in mind when we talk about patience and suffering. James assumes, and this is, this is also why that, that, that whole idea of this like pseudo-Christian thought we'll talk about sometimes is also simply not big enough because James tells us you are going to suffer. Don't try to talk your way out of it. You're going to suffer as a Christian. As a Christian, you're going to have to be patient. As a Christian, you're going to have to exercise endurance. This is part of Christians living in an external pressured world that isn't the kingdom of God. That if we try to find a way to, to, to nicely say that suffering is something we're not going to think about, we're never going to gain the power and the lessons we learn by the holy processing we do as we move through situations of suffering. So let's talk about patience. Let's talk about suffering. In a lot of ways, this goes back to the character of God. We understand these ideas because these are an essential part of who God is. James has done a really good job in this book pointing back to the character of God always being our example. First and Second Peter, another couple books that are close to James. Peter was the first leader of the Jerusalem church. James replaced him. Peter moves into the northern part of Palestine, and he's writing letters to the same groups of people that, that James wrote his letter to, the people who have the same problems, who are finding out, how do I live as a persecuted Christian, as a Christian who's facing pressures in a different world? This is what Peter says, chapter 3, verse 9 of 2 Peter. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. The Lord is patient with us. How often have we thought about that? The Lord is patient with us. Why? Because he wants us to go through this process where we learn these things. You know, he could snap his fingers and fix every single thing. But he knows that us learning through this is stronger, it's more powerful, we become more well-formed. Jesus wants us to be well-formed people and we will be formed stronger in our experience of suffering, just as he was. He's allowing the space for us to have that chance. 
Because this life and all the stuff that we deal with, we're still designed to be with Him. The Lord gives us as people the chance to be fully formed. He's also patient with His church and gives His church the chance to be fully formed. Have you ever realized that the Lord is patient with Glenmore Methodist Church? You ever realize how God might be patient with us as a, as a spiritual community? I mean, just thinking through that, that Lord is patient with us so that we can fully experience all of these things. This all sounds tough. This sounds weird. This sounds complicated until uh, we see and experience the life of faithfulness. Until we know the joy of what does it mean to be faithful and to see these things. We know it better. We can delight in the goodness of faithfulness. We see power in suffering. Psych psychologist James Davies talks about how it is inside of suffering that we apprehend new portions of reality. And we talked back earlier about the power of words, that words, words build worlds. What if one of the greatest witnesses we can have to those outside of these walls is we can deal with bad things in a way that's stronger than the way that people who don't know Jesus can deal with bad things? For us to have our own stories like Job, hey, let me, it all falls apart. But let me tell you what, when you trust God to rebuild it, he rebuilds it so much better than I could rebuild on my own. Our whole world, our whole culture runs away from hard things now. And we become stronger when we're willing to sit still inside of the hard things to be formed by Jesus inside of the hard things, to be alongside of God as we walk out of the hard things. To labor, and so, so, to, to move into this idea of suffering. Tim Keller, uh, a pastor who just passed a few weeks ago uh, in New York City, wrote a book called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. It's fantastic. If you like to, to read somewhat complicated things about Jesus, I would recommend the book to you. It's fantastic. Uh, but this is what he says inside of that book. Suffering leads us to see courage inside of our character. Suffering leads us to see courage inside of our character. Dane Ortlund, another pastor, wrote a book, um, uh, Suffering as Well, and he, he builds off this idea of suffering out of Matthew chapter 11, a very familiar verse, but he just thinks through it in a way that helps us understand suffering uh, so much more. So Matthew 11, 28 uh, and 29 and 30. Let's read the whole section. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. How many of you all know this scripture already? We've heard this. To labor is to understand that we're in a situation of suffering. And, and what one writer, what Ortland called, he said, we see suffering with a crowbar in hand. That we realize there are spiritual dynamics at play inside of this suffering and that we have to work at it. That we have to pry it loose. That we uh, come into this realizing I'm going to have to grow if I'm going to make it through this. D.L. Moody said this, sometimes we have to work like there's no such thing as prayer and pray like there is no such thing as work. When we carry heavy burdens, 
when we are heavy laden, we are realizing that we are in a season of suffering and we have spiritual work to do. But the good news is Jesus sees us in those moments. Jesus offers us rest, rest inside of his presence when we are spiritually tired and we are spiritually tired. The only thing that can revive us is spiritual nourishment. Jesus says that if you are heavy laden, when you are tired, when things have been tough, when you've experienced the negativity of suffering and you simply need Jesus, that his yoke is easy. What qualifies us to come to Jesus in these times? It's not our work. It's not our deeds. It's not us how we've avoided temptation. It's not how uh, we've not gotten mad at people who've done wrong things to us. It's simply the fact that we have a burden and we need him. That our burden is what qualifies us. For us to simply say, Jesus, I need you. Those are powerful, strong words when we're in the midst of suffering. Say, Jesus, I need you. James is preparing us really well for, to, 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 for a world where we can triumph over these pressures. A couple of weeks when I come back, we're going to dig deeper into these ideas. We're going to talk about how we build spiritual worlds through prayer. In many ways, kind of the part two of this message. But I hope we've developed a little bit of an understanding of suffering that we can, we can move into more. We, we realize that, that the Lord opens up a door for us to pass through this, to rely on him while we're inside of that. But let us pray to have ears to hear and eyes to see the power of patience through suffering. Let us call on Jesus together. Let us rely on Jesus. Let us fully testify to the power and the strength of the faithfulness that we have already experienced to fill up those spiritual reserves that we need when we are in times and situations of suffering. Amen. Let us pray together. Father,